welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. We have this thing of generalizations where we say general things about people or situations that aren't always true, but we figure we know generalizations can either help us to know things or they can lock people or ourselves or things that aren't true into some kind of a factual thing that just doesn't work. For instance, you'll never learn to ride a bike. You always do that. There are so many things that we do. If we look at things that are even verbally abusive at times, they're things that say something about somebody that looks like a generalization and says, this is just how you are. And last week, Steve talked to us about, that's just the way I am? No. This is just the way I was. And so what I did was I looked up some things. I'm actually continuing off of his sermon somewhat. And in the Bible, there are themes and generalizations, but they're good ones. So we're going to jump from that particular point. And in the Bible, one of the things that I did as I was looking for this kind of a theme is God states things about himself and things that are generally true in life that we can find. And it shows up all over the place, and that's what I'm doing today. One of the principal things that we find, we see it at the beginning and we see it at the end, is God is a God of new. And he says, you're new. All things are new. He can do what he wants, but that's one of the principles. Don't forget it. Things are new. It's really important. And it doesn't make any difference how old people are, how young they are, how whatever the problem is. God does things new. It's who he is. And just to show you like some of these things, we're going to do a lot of scripture today. But one of the things that we see right at the beginning, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. It sounds dismal. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided now there, the light from the darkness, and he saw the light and called it day and all that kind of thing. But it's new. There's chaos. Then he says, he speaks. Yes. By his word, he says, let there be, and there was. And he names it. But that's what he does right from the get-go. So he doesn't say, I'm making something new, but it's pretty obvious if you create the universe that something new happened. Very clear. Then we see, that's the first book of the Bible. Last book of the Bible, Revelation 21. And John says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold or look, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. So the beginning of the book is God makes things new. The end of the book is God makes things new. And nothing hinders God. I need to pray right now for you because you've got to hear this because we're trying to apply it to you personally. Only God can do that. I have a very convincing word here about God making things new. And I'm not trying, I'm just saying it. I looked at it, made me happy. I'm going, yep, that's what God does. But in order to apply it to your own personal situation and what you need, and we all need new, you've got to hear the voice of God in your spirit and know what he's saying to you. These are general, large principles that God has blessed us with but you need to hear it for you, yeah? So I'm going to pray for you, and I'd like you to just put yourself in a place of listening. It's not so much important as you hear every word that I say because I will not be traveling with you when you leave. But you need the Spirit of God to speak to you. We all do. So I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, for us all to hear what it is you want to speak new over our lives. I thank you that old things have passed away, all things are new. That you love us, and Lord, you walk in the miraculous. It's not just changing to positive thinking, although that can help. But it's not just that. It's a miracle, wonder-working God that recreates, that heals, says, I can give you a new body, a new mind, a new soul, a new way of looking things, and it's a God thing. So, Lord, we want to thank you, and we praise you for it. But, Lord, I pray that each person will hear what applies to them today, what they need to hear in terms of confidence to God and how he can do something new for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Another way we see this theme in the Bible is we see it in biblical characters. The characters in the Bible demonstrate over and over that God does something new with humans. It's what he does. It's the same theme, the same story every place we go, or God undoes generalizations. It's not always that we dramatically see uh, that this person changed from being like this to that, but that they were called by something or there were assumptions about them, that they were just like this, and God said, no, 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 I'm going to use them in a way that will rock your boat. So I have some characters to talk to you about. Some of these are, it's Old and New Testament, so it doesn't make any difference. It's not just, we're not just talking about these people got saved. We're talking about what God does and shifts things. David, 
committed adultery and murder and did all kinds of things, yet God called him a man after his own heart. If you look at that and you say, would I want to make a best friends with a man who spies on a woman taking a bath, decides to have adultery with her? I'm not trying to be rude here, but that's what he did, basically. Calls him into his house. He's got all the power to do this. Did she have a choice? I mean, it's iffy with the king. And so she... I'm, I'm just, I know, I'm being blunt, but really, it's on the news. It's not new. So he has this woman, and most of us would say, he's a creep. Not God, because he saw something completely different. Yes, God saw the failures. He addressed it, but he said, he's after my own heart. He totally could deal with it. Not an impossibility, which kind of, you know, makes you a possibility. Another one, Peter, would you want to be best friends with somebody who when you were being killed or somebody was hunting you down to murder you said, oh, I don't know them? Most of us would be a little upset about that. That we wouldn't call a best friend. However, Peter became the first one who spoke up at Pentecost in front of thousands of people to say, this is who Jesus is, whom you crucified. Definitely saying he knew him. God knew when he took Peter that he could shift and that could be changed, that there was a new thing to happen, no problem for God. Isn't that cool? And then we have Paul, who was a terrorist of the day. He was. He went hunting people down to try to murder them, murder Christians. He would have been perfect, you know, like for people we see on the news now. That's who he was. That's who he looked like. God humbled him, but he completely changed. Was imprisoned himself. I mean, there are just so many things. Paul, complete change. Behold, I make all things new. That's God. We also, I didn't want to skip the women of the Bible because we often do. There are women and they were, in the women's case, they were often known as something, but God saw fit to name their future as something else. So I started with Bathsheba, who I just talked to you about, but she's out there on the roof and she could have been known as the person who had the king. However, with God, she became one of the people in the lineage of the thrones. She, be, was the, she was the mother of Solomon, mother of the kings. And is, she became the favored one. Amazing. Hannah, childless, barren. God said, I won't call her that. She had Samuel, who heard the voice of God, who became a powerful influence. Not going on about it, but same thing. She was known and depressed about being barren. Miriam, who was Aaron's sister, who was the prophetess who danced when they went through the Red Sea, but then she also complained against Moses up the road. She got into a bit of trouble, but God still saw her through, didn't change her name, didn't change who she was. Sarah, barren, also kind of a setup have a baby with the maid, kind of mess things up, God still said she had strength 
And by faith, she had Isaac. Isn't that great? Messed up. I mean, think about this. In this day, if you knew somebody like that, you'd go, "Uh uh-uh. God changes things. And then there was Ruth, which they always sing, you know, um, your people will be my people, your God my God, and you know that thing, they do it at weddings and stuff. But then there's, there's Ruth, and we go, well, there's nothing wrong with Ruth. She was a good lady. She was a good lady, but she was from a bad place, which was Moab. Moab was not a friend of Israel, really. That was like being from an enemy country, and yet when she comes back, she does good things, and she becomes known as a good woman. And the grandmother of David, I think it was grandmother or great-grandmother, I'm not sure, but in that lineage. So she becomes something wonderful. So, that's good. My thing just went black. That was nice. Hang on. Just give me a second. Okay, that's better. All right, in the New Testament, we have Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons, and that's what she's known out before, after, whatever. But she was the first person to see Jesus risen from the dead and was assigned to go tell the disciples. Ah, that's cool. There was Mary and Martha. Mary was known for sitting around. Martha was known for being too busy. In God's sight, it was a good thing to be listening. But Martha also was the first to hear, I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have the Samaritan woman. Had to come to get water by day because she wasn't thought well of. She'd had how many husbands? Huh? And the one she was with now was not her husband. Not a good reputation. We have the Syrophoenician woman. I mean, obviously Jesus saw value in this lady because he talks to her and she evangelizes the whole town. That's a pretty good new calling from having five husbands. Yeah. That's a good calling. Okay, we'll make you an evangelist. It probably wouldn't be something you would first think of, but Jesus knew. All right, the um, Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus and wants the demons cast out of her daughter, and Jesus says, I don't give um, these things to the dogs because basically Gentiles were dogs, and we have this whole story. But then he commends her, on the other hand, I haven't seen such great faith. That's cool. And then we hear the woman, we see uh, about the woman who had um, came to Jesus and washed his feet with her hair and tears and wiped it dry and anointed his feet. Hmm. If somebody did that here, we would say she was weird and we'd put her off in a corner. I'm not trying to be rude. But that would be our typical response. We would say, that's weird. Jesus, however, saw the purpose in it, named what it was. You you get it? God sees things so differently than us. And what I want you to see is God sees you different than all that negative self-talk that goes through your brain. That's not his word. It's not what he's saying. He makes all things new, and it doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, he continues to make new. It's who he is. He doesn't fail in this. Okay, so those are biblical stories. Have I convinced you yet? 
there are up-to-date stories. Yours is one of them, which I'm not going to have everybody go through their story right now. But some of the stories, I just wanted to give you some connections with those. One of them, and I thought about showing, but then I go, I'm not going to have time. Nikki Cruz has a testimony online that you can find. And it, it says, uh, washedred.com. If you want to look it up, it's, you, you connect to a video on YouTube. It's not time right here, but he came from a family that was into satanic rituals, that he was abused on a regular basis, violence was the name of the game, he was happy when he was violent, completely changed under the ministry of David Wilkerson. This is a story that goes way back. If you've read Crossing the Switchblade, that's where that comes from, but it's also told in a shorter version. If you look online, it's very interesting. And he, you know, started a ministry and seen many, many, many people saved. Interesting, all things new. Then I also wanted to just give you this other one. There are stories I started looking up saying, how, how many testimonies are online? And there's a lot of them. Another one is uh, called, um, let's see, it's under Christianity.about.com, and you look under testimonies. But you know what? You can just write in your Google space or whatever it is you're doing and do testimonies of changed Christians or whatever. You know, you can, you can look under a lot of things, which is all I did. It's great. And so then we, I go, okay, that's, that's really a, a very cool thing because I watch some of them and people coming out of all kinds of things. You know, they could be thieves. They could have sexual sin. They could have whatever. It's all in there. And they're like, I was made new by Jesus. We're not to forget where we came from. And some of you didn't come from that rough of a place, but some of you may have. And sometimes it's the little things that we think God doesn't really change that, and he really does. Here's a story I found in a book called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. What I'm trying to do is give you Bible, present day, and where we're going from here. You see what I'm doing? This is a, this, we're just walking it through. So in this, there's this, Mark Buchanan is a pastor, and in this book, he talks about how difficult a time he had working with people's past. He says, I'm not very good at it. I realize people, you know, do counseling, but just figuring out all the past and what to do about it and how to fix it, he said, I'm just not very good at it, which is interesting. There's a place to be healed. It's not that that's wrong, and he wasn't saying it. He said, I'm not very good at it, and so I didn't always know what to do. I'd listen to people's stories. They would go on, and then he'd, like, he'd be stuck. So here's one of the things he says. He, this woman came to him who had an extremely abusive past. I mean, there had been sexual abuse, physical abuse, all kinds of stuff. She'd had her own failures, of course, because of all the stuff she'd been through. There were lots of things, and he go, she tells him the whole thing, and he's sitting there and goes... And what do I do with this? So he says, he prayed a brilliant prayer. Oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> what do you do? Oh God. Difficult story. And then he says, and then God slipped me an insight, timely as manna dropped from the sky. He showed me that her past was beyond repair, at least on my watch. 
If there was any good thing there to salvage, I knew not how. But in the same instant, God showed me she still had her future. And it was vast, unbroken, pristine, radiant. It was pure promise, a glory that would be revealed in her, a glory that far outweighed her light and momentary troubles. Now the glory of the one who was coming to redeem her and transform her. Her past was a tragedy to lament, but her future was an epic to anticipate. Yay. Which is simply, this is the whole theme of what he said and what we're trying to say today. Which is simply to say, what will happen matters more than what has happened. I'm going to say it again. It's really important. What will happen matters more than what has happened. Behold, he makes all things new. And then he continued to tell about her transformation, how that she got married, had kids, and the things completely shifted for this woman. But she knew she had a future. She stopped just like saying, I can't get on because of my past, and said, God has a future and a hope for me. And it's true of us all. And here are some of the things that I hope that we make new for us today. One of the things... The Holy Spirit reveals the new. This is a tricky thing because sometimes we're not sure exactly. We we can see the old, it's very concrete. Somebody can give you a list of horrible things that happened to them or their own failures or their own weaknesses or whatever. I mean, we've all got lists and everybody has them. They could all probably give you a list of things they thought that were successful successful but they're left empty there's lots of things we can give you those lists but we go okay so the holy spirit wants to show us the new things ahead of us so that we have faith hope and love and we begin to see something new happen it's really important and there's not a person here or any place else where that's not possible So, the Holy Spirit comes not to make us sin conscious about ourselves um, or impossibility conscious about ourselves or about others, okay? So, we're not supposed to see our that, that you know, like, okay, so I have a problem with um, lying, and so I'll always be a liar. No. That's not what God's saying, or you could put anything else in there. That's not the Holy Spirit. He does not generalize about you in a stuck place or else Jesus died for no good reason. God has a new identity for you. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, Paul says, And such were some of you, there's a list of sins before this, which I'm not going into. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Things have changed. And then we see in Hebrews 10, 21 through 23. 
and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now we think evil conscience like I'm carrying around this thing like I just robbed uh, the quick fill station. I mean, I, this is really random, but I just robbed something or I did this thing and so I have an evil conscience in some way. No, the evil conscience is a generalization that you believe about yourself. There's something wrong with you. Get it? That's what we're talking about here. Not just, I mean, you might, if, you, if you did rob the quick fill, you should repent, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, it's an, I'm talking about, uh, this is not a sermon about some action you've done recently necessarily, but the thing of a wrong or an evil identity. In other words, there's something wrong with me. That price has been paid. You're new. We talk about it. The Bible reinforces it. And then it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. It's not about you that, hey, I am now all that in a bag of chips. It's not that. Because, you know, we do have weaknesses. There are things. But God still calls us righteous. And he still is in the process of changing us. But he calls us righteous because of what you did. But because of what? That's right. Good answer. Because of what Jesus did. All right. So then... Revelation 1.5, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, let's see. Again, let me give him the, okay, we're good. So, we need to learn to speak over ourselves newness. And we also need to do it over other people. Okay, Steve, I'm, I'm picking you because I, I, I don't want to make anyone else nervous. <laughs> okay, so I've known Steve a long time, okay? So, how long? Uh, I don't know. Was that? <laughs> I don't know how long was it. 25, 25 years, yes. I've known him since he was a little kid. But I, knew him, I know him best from teaching him at Roberts. And so I, I know kind of how his brain works and kind of what, at least younger years, obsessively, whatever. So I could say, okay, okay, these are, I, I always like Steve. So this is, this is not meant to be at all negative. But I could, even in what seems like a good thing, plug them into something like, okay, Steve, you're just competitive because you always tried to beat out Robin and you just couldn't let it go. Um, you, uh, you're a perfectionist when you should just chill sometimes. You, um, you are, you know, too heady sometimes and you don't let the heart lead and blah, blah. I mean, you follow, there are things and he might actually say, you know what, those are kind of true about me. And I'm not saying something, right? Okay, so, and I, I could state that as his identity, but except I know by the spirit of God and by what I've seen that Steve, has a huge heart. He does. 
It's bigger than what we've seen yet. He has a huge heart. He's also not always thought he heard from God real clearly, but he has ears that hear, that have grown, and it's going to go even much, much more. His ears are going to get giant. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. You need it. Yeah. <laughs> We all need it. But anyway, so we have these things that we go, there's something new. Also, he's, he's sometimes, you know, thinking, you know, I don't so much function in all the gifts. You know, God's made me a logical guy. But some of those things I don't quite do. I might be able to sing a song. But when it comes to some other things, I'm not quite comfortable to just kind of go with that flow. I don't know if you've said that, but you might have. But anyway, but if he's, if, he, if he's ever said that, you know, God says, you know what? I'm going to gift you even greater. You follow what I'm saying? So we're talking. You can sit down now. I'm, we're talking. We're talking a God kind of a thing. What does God say about you or me or the person next to you? This is really important because positive, and I'm not talking, I, you know, I'm not trying to do like just speak positive. Flattery is different. You don't want to do flattery because it comes up as an empty lie and it actually works negatively. You know, it's like if somebody said to me, I see you have a great future in dance. (laughs) Smack them upside the head. You know, and you laugh and you go, oh, great. That's great, you know, or, or any number of other things, you know. So somebody can say, because I just want to be positive. That's not positive, it's stupid. <laughs> or, or other things that don't fit, you know, and it can be another person's dream or whatever. We're not going there. I've had people give me some really interesting words, actually, from time to time, and you just chuckle and go, well, that'll be interesting. And you know that that's not the deal. So we don't want to give those things, but we do want from God to see what he wants to do in other people. You know, the Bible says you may all prophesy, and I know we do prophetic ministry. I know I do this with them. And so I'm not trying to get you all to join a prophetic team, although it's not a bad idea if you want to, but I'm not, that's not the point of this. When it says you may all prophesy, I'm talking about hearing the words of God and speaking it forth as something that is true that God wants to come into being. You get it? So it's not going back by my own general knowledge, well, you always trip over things when you walk down the aisle. Don't want to do that. I know that's a silly one too, but you know the things that we always say, you know, you always talk too much. You always do this. You, you know, there are always that we say that we generalize over people that we don't want them to live in. So instead of saying you always talk too much, something that might be good for somebody that talks a lot is, you know what? God has things he wants to encourage people and situations he wants to encourage through you. And God's going to speak. And so I just encourage you to listen to what he's saying. Better way to get there, yeah? And there's many, many ways. So you flip it. You say, instead of prophesying your own words of you always or this happens, you flip it and you say, what does God want to say? 
What can I speak over that person that's going to shift and make them a glorious jewel with an epic future? What can be done? And so we have to ask. And so sometimes you see a person, they look like a complete disaster, and you go, wow, what sticks out? And it might not be something that positive, like talking all the time. But the person that talks all the time, God may have something for them to say, but they do have to listen. Cool, huh? So there's a a, a lot of ways of going at this. So we... um, so when you give also, I'm, I know this is a little aside, but when you give prophetic words, it's not just about what somebody will do. It might be, but it's also speaking identity into them. Because God can shift identity by saying what he wants to say. That's what he did all through the Bible. Gideon, Moses, think about it, just find them, the woman at the well. Many, 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 many people. So we want to be able to do that. And um, also they're about who they are and who they'll be in the eyes of God. Um, Here's another thing. When it comes to yourself, and uh, raise your hand if you ever hear any negative self-talk. Everybody put your hand up. Everybody has it, okay? We all do from time to time. It can vary in extremities, but we often do. Like, if I'd only done this, I would be here. If only I'd gone to college, I could be this. If only I'd gone into business, I could be that. If only I'd stayed home with my kids. If only I'd... Something else would be. And it's always about your failure. It's the devil. But that's... (laughs) It's always about if only or something, some kind of failure. So we go, all right, so if only I'd done this or that or whatever. And we need to stop and say, God, how do you see me? I can remember one time, God does interrupt our thinking. I knew these people in one of the, uh, this is years and years ago. You don't know the people, so don't even try to figure it out. And I'm giving no names. But I was renting from this place, and the people that owned the place were rather verbally abusive. And the, the lady of the house um, was standing in front of me telling me what a terrible person I was. I can't even remember what the situation was, but what a terrible person I was, how awful it was, and you know, basically saying I was no good, and it was one of those generalizations, but I can't remember. Isn't that great? I can't even remember what the whole thing was. But I remember standing there looking at her, and she's telling me terrible things about myself, and I heard God say, that's not true about you. Cool, huh? And I knew it's not true of me. So I'm watching her yap at me, and she's going... That's what it turned into, and I'm just sort of laughing inside. I didn't laugh out loud. I'm just standing there going, I go, hmm, that was interesting. And I just, <laughs> but that's a, that's a God thing. What he has to say is different than the person in front of you, and it's different than what si- sometimes you let the devil talk to you in your own head. Just saying, it can be quite different. And so the deal is you have to listen and say, God, what do you want to say about that? Okay, so, and what if you can't do that? Well, you do keep trying. But also, you find somebody that will hear and pray for you 
and see what they have to say. Let me just say, sometimes we want to do prophetic ministry because we want somebody to tell us, you're going to be famous, you're going to sing all over the world or preach all over the world, or you're going to have a super galactic ministry, as Graham (laughs) Cook says. You know, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. We go, wow, and you're going to be superwoman and whatever, our man. But you're good, and we, you know, it's you're going to do, you're going to do, you're going to do. And when you walk away and you go to your job on Monday, you feel like a failure because you're just doing your job. Bummer. And yet God does have an identity thing for you that he calls you to be you, who he created you to be. And we don't know what day it's going to look like, whatever. But if we're seeing what God has for us, this is weird. Practice. Here's, here's a story. I'm driving down the road. It was toward the end of school. I'm driving and going, I am so tired. And I was slightly cranky and going, I don't know. What am I doing? You know, you're giving a test. You're just doing the mundane things teachers do. It came to my mind, a Heidi Baker thing. Just see the person in front of you. So I'm driving and I go, (laughs) I'm not seeing anybody, hopefully. But then I see this car, I get, okay, I pray, Lord, for DXY 1297. Bless him, help him to know what it is you have. Seriously, you know what? It broke that thing. I'm praying for a license plate because I don't have a name. But God does a thing, you know, where we start to say what God... And you know what is God answers prayers like that. I have stories about people... Prayers being answered about praying for somebody on a street they didn't know, and years later they found out who it was, and they got saved. And there, I mean, there's all kinds of things. It's pretty cool things. So, anyways, it's an identity thing. We pray to see how God sees, and here's some things that are true about you and us. You might want to write it, or maybe you can memorize because you're so brilliant. That was a flattery thing, but anyway, <laughs> kidding. But here are things that are true about us. We're containers. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskin or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Point being... The new wine was poured into you with the Holy Spirit. That means you're a new wineskin. Yay! How simple is that? So you're a new container, container for the Holy Spirit. Next, you're new in the Spirit, Romans 7. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Yea, the rules are so-and-so is acting like a jerk, so they must be a jerk. Newness of the Spirit. God has a new call, a new purpose. Who are they in Jesus? You get it? Fun. It's new. Because you're new. So we're new in the spirit. Also, you're dead. Just a second. 
2 Corinthians 5, 14, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So, we're dead to the old junk. The voices in your head are wrong. And the voices in your head about other people occasionally may be wrong too. Find out from God and begin to speak it. Few other things. Our responses are things like this. Sing and praise with newness because he's right and truthful. Psalm 33. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with the shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his work is done in truth. God's right about this. He's smarter than we are. How to come up with this stuff. Isn't it brilliant? It's good news. Another thing, he puts a new song in me. And it will influence many. And when I'm talking song, I'm not saying we all have to become singers, although it's a good idea for everyone to sing. I like that. But here it says, he has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear, and that's not talking about being scared. It's talking about reverence and will trust in the Lord. That would be a pretty positive thing out of singing a, a new song or saying something new. Also, we're not to have fear because he's making us powerful. This is from Isaiah 41. Fear not. I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. And you will thresh the mountains and beat them small. Okay, so it's a farming instrument. But in other words, God is creating you into something new that can see fruit come. You get it? It's a farming thing, but it's a new instrument that can you know, that goes through the wheat and that kind of thing, and I don't want to do a farming thing right now. But he, that's what he's making you. <laughs> I know. It is funny, isn't it, Carol? Anyway, so then also God declares new things over us. I am the Lord. This is in Isaiah 42. That is my name, my glory. I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come, come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Listen. Use your ears. Hearing the word of the Lord is for every child of God. Everyone. If you're hearing negative things in your brain, God has something positive to say. So you should ask that question. Instead of going with the negative, God, you must have something to say. All right, so... Oh, my goodness, that's later than I thought. Here are the things I'd like you to do when you leave today. 
These are important things. I'd like you to declare something new about yourself. Write it down and then start declaring it. Listen to God. Find something new to say. Declare something new about your family and friends. If somebody's really irritating you, please make sure their name goes on that list and find something to say. Hear the new word of the Lord instead of going with the same old generalizations. Sing to the Lord a new song. Singing is a way of celebrating. Singing gets into another part of our brain. It's musical. It's good for that part of your brain. The past does not have to determine your future. It's new. You're new. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And God is big and infinite, and he says, you're my kid. There will never be a time, no matter how old or how whatever you get, that you're not in the process of becoming new again. It will never end in that good news. It's the best news. It's the gospel. It is the gospel, pure and simple, nothing fancy, but it is the gospel. It's the theme of salvation, but it's the theme of the Bible, and our God is like that. Hooray. Yeah? Yay, God. So, Lord, I bless each person with the new thoughts of heaven, with being made new. Lord, we receive it because we need it every day. It's new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So we receive it and we thank you. And I pray, Lord, that each person will become all they're called to become, all that you've designed for them. Lord, may you implant these incredible, crazy, wonderful, glorious thoughts of what your intents and newness is for each individual here. And Lord, we pray it for the children and the people in the rest of the building too. Let it be, Lord. May we demonstrate newness and the goodness of God from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.